Would you stand for our scripture reading this morning, which comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters, as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them, to serve as an example. And they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you're standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So we continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer. We're getting close to the end here. We've already looked at, if you just kind of see this and and can recall where we've been. We've already looked at the holiness of God, his kingdom work in the world, his provision for us, his call to be forgiven people who resist the bitterness of unforgiveness. And we've arrived at what scholars call the final sixth and final petition in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to be working on the first part of that uh, petition today. Lead us not into temptation. Next week, we're going to look at the second part, which is deliver us from evil. So hang on for that one. The great reformer, Martin Luther, is known to have said that he went to bed with the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer on his lips and woke up with the sixth petition on his lips. Which means he would review his day and he would realize that he needed to pray, forgive me, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That was his end-of-day prayer. And then he would wake up realizing that he needed to pray the next clause, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And isn't that true? Isn't that true for us? This is a good prayer for us each and every day, that God, at the beginning of each day, if we pray this, that God would protect us from the temptation of sin and deliver us from the wiles of the evil one. 
But I want to start by asking a question this morning that some of you might already be asking right now if you're a particularly critical thinker. Is this really something that we need to pray for? Lead us not into temptation. Isn't that kind of a strange prayer? I mean, would the God that we meet in the person of Jesus Christ ever intentionally lead us into temptation? Is that something that God does? Is that how God is with us? Is our life some sort of cosmic test that leads us as though we were either in a pass or fail course? Is it like the uh, classic experiment where they give kids a marshmallow and they tell them that if they don't eat that marshmallow for five minutes, they get a second marshmallow and then they leave the room? Are we in some sort of cosmic laboratory where God is doing moral experiments on us to see if we really have faith? If we really have some sort of moral compass? If we really have self-control? I love these faces. Is this how God is with us? Has he set us up in this way? (laughs) When something is bad or difficult in our lives, Do we automatically respond by saying that God must have sent this to me as a test in my life to test my faith or my trust or my goodness? That God has a reason for inflicting bad things upon us. Many have come to believe that this is how God works, but this is certainly not the case. Look at James 1, 13. Let no one say when they are tempted, I'm being tempted by God. He himself tempts no one. So, we have a conflict here, right? We probably need to dispel some unhealthy views of the character of God and how he interacts with us as his children. If it's not in God's character to tempt us, then what are we praying for? There's something else that must be going on in this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Well, the word used in this for temptation, as the NRSV translation has it, is periosmos. We've had a fun kind of word study thing going on through this series, periosmos. Periosmos actually has two different meanings. One is test, a test. And the other is temptation. A test is something that refines us. It improves our character. It improves us as people. This word is often used in relation to the process of taking ore out of the ground and and a goldsmith grinding it down and refining it into gold. This idea of refining. But temptation is the other possibility here. And that's meant to entice someone towards sin. To drag them down into sinful and destructive behavior. The word periosmos is used 21 times in the New Testament. 20 of those uses, all but one of them, denotes the idea of testing and refining rather than temptation. So, periosmos is actually just denoting the fact that there's a trial going on, there's a struggle, there's a difficulty, a challenging situation in life. And those trials can go one way or the other, right? There are two different paths here for us. They can either prove our character, mature us, refine us, or they can lead us into sin. As Daryl Johnson puts it, whether it's a test or a temptation depends on who's behind it and how we respond. So, I think we need to dispel the idea of God as a cosmic proctor of some sort of crazy test, creating a laboratory for, to see how we do, because here's the truth. 
and I, I think all of you will agree with me, especially those of you who have lived even longer lives than I have, right? All of life is a trial. Amen? Life is tough. All of life is a trial. We cannot avoid it. Every single day is riddled with tough things. We can try and pretend like they're not there. We can try and stuff them away. But our lives are periosmos. Life is a trial. Every day we face external challenges. Maybe some of you already know what those are in your life. Like work or schoolwork. Or difficult personalities or relational drama. Or finances or marriage. Or the failing of our bodies. Or stress or pressure. And we also face internal challenges in our lives, right? Views of ourselves, our feelings, our emotional and and mental health, our dreams and our hopes and our futures. Life is tough, and that's why we need to pray each and every day this prayer. Because all of those trials that we face each and every day have the opportunity, again, to either refine us and mature us or to tempt us towards sin in our lives. This would be a good point for each and every one of us, including me, to be honest about the temptations that we have, our temptations towards sin. They're not all going to be the same. When life gets hard, how is it that you are tempted? Maybe you're tempted towards selfishness. You begin to hoard time and experiences. Maybe you're one of those people who loves, in a moment of weakness, to just unload on somebody else who has wronged you or wronged others. Maybe you get an endorphin hit of of hearing the latest gossip and then passing it on to somebody else. Maybe you're tempted to numb out with addictive and avoidant behaviors like drinking or using or gambling or lusting. Maybe you're tempted towards sexual sin or overspending or overeating or overworking. Maybe your temptation is toward apathy and sloth and laziness. Maybe it's pride or vanity or violence, or bitterness. My guess is that you probably know where you are most tempted to sin. (laughs) It would be good to own that and to resist the dominant narratives that we hear all around us, that it's not that big a deal to give in to those things every once in a while, or it's completely within you to resist those things by self-determination and a good life balance. Here's the reality. We are all tempted to sin. And we are liable to fall into these sins in our lives, especially when the trials of our lives become more and more difficult. If we believe what Scripture says about God, that he does not take these these trials of our lives and use them as an opportunity to tempt us to sin, that it's not in his character, then we also believe that it's the realm of the evil one that does that, not God. The evil one wants to use these trials to lead us into temptation so that we might fall into sin because the evil one knows that these sins split us from the presence of God. They do damage to our view of God and of ourselves. More on that next week. But instead, God doesn't tempt. He wants to turn us from our sins. And he wants us to be matured through the trials in our lives. The Apostle Paul actually talks about this in the passage that I read for you. You might have been sort of disoriented with the context of that this morning from 1 Corinthians. In the, in the broader context about this passage, uh, we, Paul's really talking about idolatry, and he goes through the history of the Israelites in the wilderness from the Old Testament during a, a time of particular trial, right? They're literally in the wilderness. This is not figurative. And he explains how that wilderness 
could have been a, a refining catalyst in their lives as the people of God, but instead they allowed that wilderness to be a temptation to sin in various different ways. And if you go and read it again, you'll kind of see those, right? Idolatry, sexual immorality, bitterness, grumbling. So the trial of that wilderness led them into sin instead of growth and maturity. And as Paul says this, he he says these stories of, of God in the midst of this time of trial are actually an example for us of how we are to not respond when we find ourselves in times of trial. Look at verses 12 through 13. So if you think you're standing, watch out that you don't fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone over all of time, right? God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. In other words, Paul is saying that this is baked into the human condition. Life is hard. And it's tempting to give in to sinful behaviors, especially when life is hard, and to somehow believe that it is God that is tempting us to do so. But Paul says, instead, God is faithful. and He's going to be with you in the midst of the trials of your life so that you can endure those temptations and walk through those trials stronger and more resolute and more faithful. So, in the Sermon on the Mount, What is Jesus actually teaching us to pray in this petition? When we pray, and we're not going to change the translation, right, when we pray this, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, what is he really saying? I think it's something like this. Lord, as you lead us through the trials of our lives, let them be a refining and maturing maturing test rather than a temptation to sin, which is only going to pull me further away from you. If we prayed that with each new day and throughout each new day, that's going to be a reminder for us, isn't it? That's going to change our outlook on the day. I have just three ways that I think a prayer like this, if we really understand what we're praying, is going to remind us throughout the day of God's character and help us to live in the way that he calls us to live. The first is this. I've said it a bunch of times. God is not in the business of tempting us. When we pray that, we're reminded that God is not in the business of tempting us. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're recognizing that God is not seeking to tempt us, but to lead us out of those temptations to a place where he can mature us. This reminds us that when we're tempted to sin, tempted to walk away from God and deal with the trials of life in our own way, under our own power, we are always moving away from him, not toward him. I remember years ago in a particularly stressful season, Katie and I had had some sort of disagreement or argument, no idea what it was about. Isn't it amazing when you look back, you go, I have no idea what that was about even. I just remember it happening. Um, And I remember going to mow the lawn to sort of blow off some steam, right? And I had my headphones in, and I'm playing back this conversation in my mind. I'm sure I'm the only person that's ever done that, right? Um, I'm playing the conversation back in my mind, and I'm, and I'm starting to form my arguments for when I enter back into the house, right? I'm trying to guess what, what Katie's going to say so that I have, I have the right thing to say to her. I can have the perfect response. And I remember as I was playing out this conversation, this fake conversation, which wasn't going to happen in the way I thought it was in my head, I stopped dead in my tracks. I turned off the music. I turned off my mower. And I said to myself, why am I doing this? 
there's no way that these thoughts, that this conversation can be what God has for me, right? I love this woman. My wife's the most important earthly relationship that I have. And if I go in there and I injure her with my words, I'm only injuring myself because I'm injuring us, right? And then I began replaying that tense conversation and I realized that I was being just a baby. I was being prideful. I was being stubborn. I was being foolish. I went in and I, and I apologized. I seem to remember her apologizing. I'm not totally sure about that, but the point remains... If we give in to temptation and fall into sin, we're only injuring ourselves and our relationship with God. We have a God who loves us and doesn't provoke us to anger and sin and bitterness. He wants our maturity and holiness and growth and health. If we're reminded daily that he's not tempting us or provoking us, it's far easier to resist that temptation to go, what am I doing? because we see how destructive it is. Second thing that this will remind us if we are properly praying in this way, that we're not above temptation and we're not above moral failure. I hope you all know this, but it's good for us to remind ourselves of this on a daily basis. When we pray this every day, we are admitting to ourselves and we're naming before God that we're frail and we're susceptible to temptation. We're not above it. It has a powerful pull on our lives. Just like those spiritual forebears in the Sinai wilderness, we should be careful to not fall if we think that we're standing firmly. We're in a bad place if we think we're standing firmly on these things. I read a story this week that illustrated that well. There's two men who were condemned to die as Christian heretics under the cruel reign of Queen Mary. They were in prison together, and one of them was boasting loudly to anyone that would hear that he would be a man of God at the stake. He pronounced that he was so grounded in the gospel that he would never, ever deny Jesus Christ. He even went so far as to say he was looking forward to it, like like looking forward to this fatal day like a bride on her wedding day. And his companion was with him in the prison, but he was a poor and trembling man. And though determined not to deny God, he admitted that he was very, very afraid of the idea of fire. He communicated that he had a very low tolerance for pain. He was concerned that once he felt the fires underneath him, that he was going to deny the truth of God due to the pain. And he would spend night after night weeping in his cell, crying out to God for strength. But the other man, while he was praying, would rebuke him and chastise him for being so unbelieving and so weak. And then the day came that they both went to the stake And the man who had been so bold looked at the fire and turned into a coward and recanted his faith in Jesus. But the one who had been poor and trembling, who had spent long nights praying, and can you guess what his prayer was? Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. He stood firm as a rock, praising God as he died a cruel death. You see, when we pray this prayer, it comes with an awareness that we are trembling people. We are profoundly weak and we are liable to fall. There's always a danger in pride that assumes that we're too strong to succumb to the temptations that we have. Third thing that this reminds us of, if we prayed in the right way, in times of trial, and I really believe this, God is doing some of his best work, if we'll allow it. 
I see such a tendency in our culture today and, and even in church culture to see hard things in our lives as punishment from God or ways that God is trying to send us a sign of some kind that we're on the right path or that we're on the wrong path. But if we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't do this. Go back and read the Gospels. He went willingly to be tested in the wilderness, not seeing himself as some sort of victim of God's plan for his life, not lamenting that God had abandoned him in the wilderness, but confident that God was doing some of his best work there. It is clear, as Jesus goes to the cross, the very epitome of trial and suffering, that this was the place where God was doing his very best work, and Christ allowed it as his son. So if we're patterning our lives after Jesus, we need to follow his lead in this. We live in a broken world, which is why every day, even life itself is a trial. But we should be embracing these trials as the places where God wants to do some of his best maturing work in us, turning us from ore into gold, shaping and molding us. This should be the kind of place where we say over and over again, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? I'm listening. My oldest son, Quinn, is um, playing ultimate frisbee this season. That's his sport this season. Um, I sat at his first practice in the car watching him. He's a freshman, so he's with you know seniors and juniors and, and kids that are much bigger than him. And I was starting to get a little nervous because they are working these kids really, really hard, right? And he wasn't really well conditioned before this, but I'm watching sprint after sprint. I'm watching them do exercises where they have to do full extension diving to go grab a flying disc. I was nervous as to how he might receive it. I thought I might have him come into the car and go, I'm not doing this again. This is too much. But he came into the car. He was complaining a little bit about how his feet hurt, how much they had to run. But as you can guess, within about a week of practice, he was able to communicate something really different, right? Dad. This feels good. It feels good to push yourself, to really get a workout in, and I really think I'm becoming a better player. What a great thing for a dad to hear, right? Martin Luther communicates something similar when he says that trials in our lives are not the penalty of broken humanity, but rather the glory of humanity. He says it is that by which we are made an athlete of God. Trials in life are the great workout of our souls. They build resistance and they build character. So when we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, do some of that good hard work in me. Not to the point where I'm going to succumb to temptation and fall into sin. That's not from you. But do your work in me as I face these different trials in my life. So let me ask you. What trials can you name in your life today? Is there a stressful situation that you're dealing with? A strained relationship that's causing strife? Maybe you're in a place of bitterness and unforgiveness like we talked about last week and you do not know how to get out of it. Do you have a big decision ahead of you that's making you anxious or stressed? Are you burdened with just the state of the world? Okay. Now, how are you responding currently to those trials? Are they tempting you towards sinful behavior? Or are they leading you to say to God, God, what is it that you want 
to do to mature and refine me in the midst of this? One response pulls us away from God and leads us to destruction, a place we do not want to go. One draws us closer to the very heart of God and leads us to the truly abundant life. So, I want to close this morning by praying this Lord's Prayer. Hopefully you've been with us enough in the past six weeks that you are able to recall what you're doing. So this is not just some sort of rote memorization, right? This is not some word that you just say but don't really think about, but that these are words that have new meaning for you. And you'll see that I've added a place to pause. I've noticed over the weeks that even when we put a place to pause, some of us keep going because we're so used to saying this, right? We're so used to this memorization. I'm going to invite you to pause. It's okay if you go over. It's all right. But to just pause for a time of prayer. So let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's just take a moment. I want to give you just a moment of, of silence to recognize whatever trial you're in, small or large, and to search your heart and say, how am I responding to this difficulty in my life? Am I allowing God to do his maturing, refining work, some of the best work he wants to do in me? Or am I being tempted towards sin? Take just a moment of silence. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is with us in the midst of the difficulties of our lives. That you don't leave us or forsake us. That you don't create these spaces to confuse us. But Lord, through the brokenness of this world and the trials that we face, that you choose to be with us. And seek to do your good work in us. So Lord, I lift up these friends of mine here in the various trials that they have. Lord, I feel led to do this. If there's anyone here who, has a, who feels like they are in a particularly difficult time of trial. A particular difficulty. I just invite you to stand where you are. I'm not going to make you share anything. Not going to make you give testimony, but if you're someone this morning who goes, I know that I needed to hear this today because of things going on in my life, I would just invite you to stand. We want to pray for you.
Lord. Lead us not into temptation that is not in your character to do. Instead, Lord, would you lead us through the trials of our lives with a sense of your presence and your goodness? Refine us. Grow us. Mature us, Lord, to your glory for the sake of our relationship with you, the giver of life. Lord, I thank you that you are with us in the midst of trials. And I ask, Lord, that you would remind us each and every day of your presence with us so that we might resist the temptations that come from the realm of the evil one and choose your leading instead. So, Lord, we continue in our prayer, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number 463. Would you please stand and sing with us? 463.